We have uh, an adopted son. I know most of y'all didn't know about that, but, well, technically he's not legally adopted. Uh, I would say in 2008, when we moved to Kansas City uh, and started youth ministry there, our, our son became really good friends with a guy named Riley Botts in our youth group, uh, and they have stayed tight till this day. Riley's one of those guys that was super easy to, to love on and get to know, and he just became part of our family. A lot of nights staying over at our house, he'd come over for dinner. Of course, we were in youth group together, so lots of mission trips together, lots of teaching time together, lots of time together. As a matter of fact, um, his mom and dad's house burnt down, and he lived with us for a few weeks. Uh, and we have just been a part of his life. He's gone on vacation with us, uh, and sometimes we've regretted that, but nonetheless, he was there. That's a joke. You can laugh at that. Um, but Riley's one of those guys, uh, super easy to get, to get to know, and we've been to both of his, uh, his military graduations. He flies a Black Hawk helicopter for the Army uh, and is stationed in Seattle. But he has all of the entitlements that the Hall family has, even though his last name is Botts. He, he has refrigerator rights. He can come anytime. Anything that he would need, no matter where he is in the country, well, except money, we would help out with that, okay? He is just one of those adopted kiddos in our family, and he always will be. And Paul is trying to tell us that in the book of Galatians. He's saying, listen, you've been adopted into the family of God, and because of what Jesus Christ has done, you get all of the privileges that come along with being a part of the family. There's nothing that you have done that makes you a part of the family, but it's everything Jesus has done that makes you part of the family. And so it is in our life as we try to disciple and learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We're no longer outsiders because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Isn't that a blessing, church? I know it's raining outside, but we need a little more feedback. It's uh, <laughs> time to wake up. Because this story is phenomenal for us, church. Knowing that what Jesus Christ has done for us makes us part of the family. There's nothing that I have to live up to or nothing I need to do necessarily to be a part of the family of God. And that is the good news. The good news is that Jesus came to this earth, that he died for you and for me, that he conquered death, and my belief in his story makes me right with God. That is the gospel message in a nutshell. And we have got to live this kind of life out every single day where we are so excited to be found in Christ Jesus, that we're part of the family because of what Christ has done for us. But like all news, sometimes it can get skewed a little bit. Sometimes things can be added to the story that are not true. Uh, many times when I'm telling a story, Robin interrupts and says, that's not the way it happened. Sometimes you can add to, sometimes you don't tell part of the story that needs to be told. Sometimes that story can get skewed. And that's why we always come back to the Word of God to discover what is the gospel story. How are we called to live in Christ Jesus? Sometimes we buy into a fake story. Last year, I got to go to the Big 12 championship football game just down the road here at AT&T Stadium. My Oklahoma State Cowboys played the Baylor Bears, and if you remember, we lost. It was heartbreaking because there were zeros on the clock. It was the last play of the game, and our running back was running toward the end zone, one man to beat, and the guy knocks him out literally six inches from the goal line. It was heartbreaking. 
But before we went into the stadium, we had to show our ticket and get it scanned. And there were some folks standing to the side who couldn't get in because they had bought fake tickets. They spent good money. They thought it was the real deal. It looked real to them, but the truth is they weren't allowed into the game because they had bought into something that was not real. It was counterfeit. And I wonder how many people today, like in Paul's day and age, had bought into or have bought into a fake gospel rather than believing in the real thing. And since the church's inception, the church has worked to combat that fake gospel, the fake story of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, most of the New Testament was written as a counter to the, the false testimony, the false story about who Jesus was and how we follow him. It's exactly the reason why Galatians was written. Paul is writing to those groups of churches that were in the Galatia area of Asia Minor because there was a story circulating that was not true about Jesus Christ. And Paul wants to say, listen, it's not like that story at all. Let me tell you about the real gospel story. So Galatians is written about 49, 50 A.D., just before the Jerusalem Council that happens in Acts chapter 15, where they kind of come together and they make a decision, this is what the real gospel is truly all about. But there are some folks who are, who are not believing in the right story, who are not following Jesus the way we're called to follow him. And Jesus has some difficult things to say in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he has some tough things to say, but toward the end of the sermon in chapter 7, Jesus says this, there are going to be some folks on the day of judgment who will smile really big and lean in and say, didn't we do a lot of great things for you? Wasn't our activity in our life looking phenomenal? I mean, always at church, we're involved in service. We went on that one mission trip that one summer. We actually broke down and we taught the kids in kids ministry one fall. I mean, we put a little money in the plate. Then we serve those around us, and Jesus is going to turn to them and say, depart because I don't even know who you are. You've bought into a fake gospel, not the real thing. You bought something that, that I didn't really give you. And there are many of us who've bought into this idea of religiosity and a works-based faith. And Paul wants to remind us that, church, we have freedom in Christ. That's the kind of life we're called to live. Galatians was written to help us to see the difference between a fake gospel and the real gospel. We started four weeks ago in chapter 1 where Paul says, look, there is a difficult gospel that's circulating out there, and it's not the one you need to buy into. And by chapter 2, Paul is saying, look, you can't work your way into the kingdom. That's a free gift from God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you can do that makes you right with God, but it's everything Jesus has done that makes you right with God. And in chapter 3, Paul says, listen, because of what Jesus has done, you are now adopted children of God. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And in chapter 4, where we'll be today... He wants to tease out and remind us the difference between a fake gospel and the real gospel. Paul wants to remind us, what is the real gospel really about? If I'm going to follow Jesus, how do I know what that looks like? And so in Galatians chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles this morning, I'd encourage you to turn there. The text will be on the screen as well as we read 
beginning in chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They had to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when, we, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, and now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Church, this is a story that we should be shouting hallelujah about. Because God sent his son to take care of our wrongness and make us right with God. Nothing that we do, but everything that Jesus did for us. That's the real gospel. And so this morning, I want to give you about three different things that I think will help us discern the difference between a fake gospel and the real gospel based upon the words of Paul in the letter to the Galatians. And the first idea is this, that the fake gospel is based on activity. The real gospel is based on adoption. Activity versus adoption. The fake gospel is all about what you do, what you do, what you do. And the real gospel is all about what Jesus did, what he did, what he did. It has nothing to do about what you have done, your activity, your achievements, your checking the boxes. Take a look at verse 4 and 5 again. Paul says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Church, being in the right gospel frame of mind means that you know that you are an adopted child of God. And there's nothing you can do that makes it that way. It's everything that Jesus has done for you. And Paul was addressing this fake message that really said, God might be okay with you if you get your act together. If you can get all the ducks in a row, if you check enough boxes, then maybe you might be right with God. And we introduced last week this idea of the 613 moral laws that were under the, the Jewish code of rightness with God. Can you imagine living every day, every week, every festival season, hoping that you get everything right, and when you don't, you've got to go make a sacrifice to get right with God again. But the Hebrew writer reminds us that Christ died once and for all for all of our sin. Church, isn't that awesome? Knowing that we have life in Christ. And people in Paul's day were being turned away from Jesus because they hadn't done enough Jewish things to follow. So that first century church in the Galatia area was saying things like, yes, absolutely, believe in Jesus Christ, know what he's done for you, but along with that, you've also got to do some things in order to be right with Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to correct that false story. They were told they had to do something before they could really belong to the family of God. And there are some 
in our day who are holding others hostage because they're saying, you know, you haven't really checked enough boxes to be right with God. You haven't done enough stuff to be right with God. You haven't really committed to a, a gathering on a Sunday morning. You haven't really got a prayer life and a, and a Bible reading life each and every day that kind of helps you discern who you're called to be. You don't really tithe. You don't go on that mission trip. You're not involved in ministry. You're not serving those around you. So I don't think you've done enough to be right with God. Now, I want to clarify something this morning. I personally do all of those things, but it's not working my way into heaven. I don't do them to be right with God. I do them out of a grateful heart of what Jesus Christ has done for me. You see the difference in the two? One is I'm working toward hoping to be right with God. The other is I'm, I'm living life in such a way that I do it out of a gratitude that I have in my heart for what Christ has done for me. The fake gospel is all about what you do, what you do, what you do. But Paul says the real gospel is all about what Jesus has done, what he's done, what he's done. It's not your activity, but your adoption that gets you into the family of God. And God did everything that you need, sending his perfect son to live a perfect life, to die a death that we were designed to die, to fight a battle that we could not win in order to live with him forever. Church, that is the great, glorious gospel message. That it's nothing we have to do that makes us right with God, but us believing in a Jesus that did everything for us that makes us right with God. One idea is that I'm living into this fake gospel and it's all based on my activity when the truth is the real gospel is all about adoption. The second idea that Paul presents here is that the fake gospel ends at salvation, but the real gospel begins with salvation and continues through the Holy Spirit's transformation of who you are. The fake gospel says just pray the prayer and hope that you do enough in life to be right with God. I, my heart breaks when I hear this story from my father. My grandmother used to say toward the end of her life to him, I hope I've done enough. And the rest of that sentence is to get into heaven. She didn't know about the faithfulness of her salvation by believing in Christ Jesus. And for 30 years, I have encouraged people to make the decision to trust Jesus, to acknowledge Jesus, to let him into their heart. But that's not the landing zone, church. That is the launching zone. The life in front of you is so rich. You haven't arrived when you say yes to Jesus. That's the point of, of living into everything God has for you. I grew up in this, this fellowship and my heart aches because I've seen along the way that too often when people claim their belief in Jesus Christ, when they're baptized into his name, we kind of walk away from that relationship and go look for another project. But church, that's not the end game. That's just the beginning of the Holy Spirit working in your life. But take a look at verse 6 again. Paul says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, he sends his Holy Spirit into your heart to start that transformation process. We call that sanctification. And I want to remind you, it is a lifelong process. It doesn't happen overnight. 
Every day, every week, every year is a movement toward looking more and more like Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just some vibe you get when we sing the slow songs on Sunday morning. It's not that vibe you get when we kind of lower the lights a little bit. That's not it. It's Jesus himself, church, living in you. That is that incredible feeling that he's calling out loudly to you, reminding you of your identity in Christ Jesus, that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. You are a family member. And what we can do through his power and what our purpose is in life, that is a constant call in our life because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Now, growing up Churches of Christ, we, we didn't talk too much about the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you remember those days. We were a little skeptical about things mystical and talking about ghosts. We didn't want to do that too much. And we thought, you know, people down the, down the street who claim they've got the Holy Spirit, they, they're pretty joyful in their worship service. I'm no, I don't know if we want any part of that. That looked a little crazy. That's thinking old school, sorry. But the Holy Spirit is poured into you. He transforms you, and he allows you to live into the fullness of how God has called you to live from, from a place of inheritance, from a place of sonship and daughtership. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He enlivens us and gives us life. And unless you understand that, you're going to live a life of emptiness and an unfulfilled life. It's going to be tough. Unless you get that very idea, then then you're going to live with that anger in your heart unresolved because the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms that in us to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. We're going to have a difficult time grasping the idea that we have been forgiven of our wrong because of what Christ has done for us. We're going to have a hard time letting go of the, the racism, the bitterness, the malice in our life because of what Christ has done. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to begin transforming us and making us different people, you see, that is the real gospel. It's all about adoption and the Holy Spirit living within our lives, transforming us into different kinds of people. And finally, Paul says the fake gospel is constantly working out of acceptance. And the real gospel confidently works from inheritance. Take a look at verse 7 again. Paul says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. The fake gospel says that you know, once you're part of the kingdom, you've got to stay in hustle mode. You've got to check those boxes. You've got to kind of work your way, making sure that God is still okay with you. You're never quite sure of your confident salvation. Unfortunately, my grandmother was in that space as well. And to be honest, church, sometimes this is my struggle. If I can be vulnerable for a minute. Sometimes I wonder if I'm living out the way God's called me to live, if I'm doing enough in his kingdom, proclaiming his word and being his, his vessel. That, that insecurity sometimes probably comes out of, of my early background as an early uh, young adult. When I left Jesus Christ, when I left the church, and I was kind of on my time and my idea, and I'm so angry at myself for letting go of five years of walking with our Savior, of saying yes to Jesus, trying to make that up. I miss it. I'm so regretful of those moments. And depending on whose voice I'm listening to on any given day, whether it's Satan whispering in my ear, you're just not enough. 
or Jesus reminding me that I'm identified as part of the family, that I'm an adopted member of God's family. I'm up and down, depending. And if you're like that with me, if you, if you kind of find yourself up and down on any given day, I want to remind us, let's go back to look at what, what does the text actually say? It says the real gospel calls us not slaves, but children of God, heirs of the kingdom. That's what God's voice tells me and you, is that we don't have to be good enough because Jesus Christ is good enough for us. Isn't that great news, church? We don't have to live into what we expect of ourselves because God already loves us. He gave us his son. And since you said yes to Jesus Christ and accepted his Holy Spirit into your life, we live from a declared inheritance. We're part of the family of God. See, God loved you so much that he gave us the greatest gift of all time. And his name, church, is Jesus Christ. That is the gift we have, and we should claim it. It's our inheritance. We own everything because God created everything. We're part of his family, and through faith in Christ Jesus, we're part of that family. On a hill far away, some 2,000 years ago, your inheritance was very real. You see, you, you got a new name, child. Of God. You got a new family. It's called the church. You got security in your salvation based upon the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You got the authority of the Holy Spirit living within you to combat evil in the world around you. You got a new purpose in life. You got new blessing, new provision because you are a child of God. You and I get to experience the forgiveness of our wrongdoing because of what Christ has done for us. We gain healing and freedom in Christ. And so the, the invitation this morning is that you would latch on to that free gift of Jesus Christ. That you would not wait one more day, but realize that you have been adopted into the family of God because of what Christ has done. And in that acceptance, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and can live then from that point forward into the inheritance that you have as a child of God. Now, whether you're here this morning or joining us online, my guess is there's some folks who are listening this morning who've never said yes to Jesus Christ. And you're wondering, how do I get the peace that only comes from Christ? How do I get that blessing? How do I live into that provision? How do I have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? And that only happens, church, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's the greatest gift of all time. And so this morning is the encouragement for those here watching us online that you would say yes to Jesus, that you would invite him into your heart. That you would say, I no longer want to follow my game plan, but God, I want what you have for me, and that is the free gift of salvation known as Jesus, the Savior. I want to be a part of what he has to offer me. And once you declare that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, be baptized, join him in that, that gospel message in that watery grave, saying goodbye to yourself and being raised a brand new creation, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to live into the inheritance that's been given to you because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not what you do that makes you part of the family. It's what Jesus has done. This morning, that's my hope and prayer. I'm gonna go ahead and ask our shepherds and their wives to gather along the wall of this room. And as we sing this next song, my hope is that there's folks in here who want to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior.
And I, I want to tell you that please have the courage to get out of your chair and go find one of our shepherding couples. Let them pray for you and over you, reminding you that you are a child of God. With belief in Jesus Christ, you have all the perks of the family. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've never gone to that public measure of saying, I want, to, I, want, I want everyone to know how much I believe in this risen Savior. I want to put him on in baptism. We can do that today as well. My hope is that you will say yes to him. Let's stand. I want to offer a prayer before we sing our song to ask God and the Holy Spirit to bless us as we think about what Paul's calling us to. Father, this morning we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in this place with one voice to declare you are the risen Savior, Jesus. And God, we are grateful for the free gift that you've given us in your Son. We pray, God, that every single day that we would live a kind of life that has the gratitude that we should have for what you've done for us. Thank you for adopting us as your children. Thank you for giving us an inheritance that can never go away. We are grateful for the forgiveness we have because of what Christ did for us. God, I pray that you would be with those in this audience or watching us online that have never said yes to Jesus. And I pray, God, you would move them today to say yes. Yes to a risen Savior and yes to a brand new life in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's sing with one voice together.